I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, hello, Sam. Danny! Hey! Hey! hey. How are you? I'm good. I got a question for you. Have you seen a trailer for a film that's made you very horny recently? Uh, <laughs> no. No. No, I haven't. Oh. No. Um, but I have seen a trailer for a film about people who get made pretty horny. That's close enough. Tell yeah. me about that. You know, I, you invited me to make myself sound weird. I'm not fucking falling for that, my friend. Shit. It's the movie that will be weird and I'll seem normal. Um, I insist on, on being as normal as possible. I can't remember. When did I watch this? Today. Um, today. today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, uh, I went to see I Feel Pretty, which I will be talking more about later. And one of the reviews beforehand was for a film starring um, Diane Keaton and Jane Fonda um, and Candice Bergen. Andy Garcia is in it. Don Johnson is in it. Very starry cast. Craty Nelson, you know, uh, yeah, Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible. He's, the, he's in there. Wow. Um, and the plot is about this group of uh, ladies who are in a book club together. Um, and one of the book they start reading the book club is Fifty Shades of Grey. Ooh. And uh, they all become like super horny and stuff. And that seems to be the premise of the film. Wow. So, I mean, I'm... I'm all, I'm all for uh, there being movies that explore older women's sexuality and everything. And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm sure that's like that's a good thing. But I did find it a bit odd that it has to be that specific, like that specific book. It's got the thing, you know. It's always a bit weird when in movies they refer too much to real life, yeah, yeah, things because it kind of feels like movie world and the real world should remain separate in terms of pop culture. Um, and they've just finished making the Fifty Shades most recent Fifty Shades movie, and now there's like movies about the existence of those books. And I don't know why they couldn't have just invented. I feel like they should have made up a uh, like a, a new kind yeah. of erotic novel. Sure, because you bring in your own baggage, don't you, into the Fifty Shades franchise. Also, that book is famously badly written. It's badly written. Is it? Is it that hot? How much, have you read much of it? Just read the sexy passages about the inner goddess <laughs> flipping. And... You skipped to the you skipped to the naughty bits. Well, I, I think I just read like a sort of highlights uh, article about it. Right. Right. There's one about her, like, sucking his dick. Just like, it's my own Christian Grey-flavoured lollipop or something. Oh, really? And I was like, that's not sexy. Well, no. the way you said it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine in the book, it doesn't work as well as that. Yeah. Maybe I'll go see it. Maybe my mum will want to go see it. That'd be a weird viewing experience. Me and my mum seeing this movie about old ladies getting, like, getting the horn. Do you think that um, a lot of old ladies have never read erotic fiction before? Like, Surely. are they Are they familiar with Mills and Boone or... Yeah. Why is it this one particular book that gets if anything they'd gets be their the, the running? demographic least scandalized, right? They've done some weird shit in their time. I'm sure Jane Fonda's like 
done some stuff. Oh, there's yeah. some sex in this book. Oh, yeah. it's a what, new... What is sex? What is <laughs> sex? I'm, I'm 75 years exactly. old. I've had four what? husbands, but what? What are they doing? I could have no idea such things existed. Oh, my goodness. I'm scandalous. Oh, there's, she's being tied up and paddled with a big feather. Ooh. Very sexual. Oh, he's taking on his helicopter. Wouldn't that be fun? Wow. This is a very accurate Jane Fonda wreck. <laughs> kind of makes them seem a bit too, you know, just a bit too innocent, I yeah. think. I don't buy it. Don't buy the premise. It's, even though it's intended to portray them as, you know, adults with still, you know, adult sexual desires, it's a bit infantilizing. Yeah. That's my that's my hot take on the matter. This is the problem with the whole like. There should be one of the women movie. should be like, "Are you fucking kidding me? This garbage! Like, here's yeah. the real shit." And she pulls out some like proper fucking hardcore, <laughs> disgusting like some real fucking shit. Eye-wateringly hardcore. Eye-wateringly <laughs> grotesque, kinky, extreme like stuff. Like some real snuff. <laughs> like appalling like you, you know hard, hard, like crazy. humanitarian crisis level like some seriously like walk <laughs> like shit like like devastating like ptsd and juicy some stuff like that and she should be she should, that should be what like gets her off you know not the, not the, like the tepid you know spanking or whatever that goes on in 50 shades yeah maybe the books are more um a, a tougher uh, going or you know more racy than the movies were. Well, I've only seen the first movie, but it seemed relatively tame that film. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Well, I'll go see it and we'll report back. You gonna go see it with your mum? I don't want to, but why? It seems like the perfect film for you to see with her. You 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 didn't go to see the Guernsey Literary Potato Pile whatever society film, so like it is incumbent upon you to see the next book club <laughs> <laughs> movie that comes out. You missed, right. you missed your chance. The only way to make up for it is to see another uh, book club-related movie with your mother. Sure, I'll go to see this quite uncomfortable-sounding movie with my mum and report back. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, it's about uh, women your mother's age having a wank. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect film to see with her. Absolutely. And then, you, and then you two can sit down and watch like American Pie together or something to bounce it out. <laughs> okay, mom, I watched your one about people your age wanking. So now we've got to watch a movie about people my age wanking. But, like, ten years younger. <laughs> <laughs> but not my age. A lot younger than me. Awesome. Um, uh, apropos of nothing. <laughs> what is this podcast about? It's not Ooh. apropos of nothing, is it? It was, you know, we were on it. <laughs> Any reference to the podcast is, uh, you know, extremely relevant. That's a good question, though, Danny, and I'd be delighted to answer you. This is a podcast all about a 28-year-old man named Danny Moran, who was turned away from a carnival ride called The Ring of Fire after he's told that you have to be 27 years old to ride it. Disappointed, he visits an antique arcade fortune teller machine called Zoltar Speaks and makes a wish to be 27 years old. It dispenses a card saying, your wish is granted. The next morning, little Danny Moran has uh, been transformed into a 27-year-old man called Sam Foster. He tries to find the Zoltar machine, only to find an empty field, the carnival having moved on. Returning home, he tries to explain his predicament to his mother, who refuses to listen and then threatens him, thinking he is a stranger who kidnapped her son. He has no choice but to embrace his new life and quickly develops a successful professional career and even kindles a romance. Everyone is charmed by the open-hearted goodness and 28-year-old-like naivety of this 27-year-old man. 
is what I would be saying if this was an adaptation of Big, starring Tom Hanks, except instead of him turning uh, from a child into an adult, he just gets a few months younger, and it's a podcast, I'll say. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me, a dear, sweet, delightful, innocent little boy, Danny Moran. Hello! It's my innocent boy voice. It is refreshingly female-centric week on Film Chat as we review two films about what it means to be a woman in the crazy world of the 21st century. Sam will be reviewing the university prize film I Feel Pretty, in which Amy Schumer gets a massive self-esteem boost after sustaining a head injury. In many ways, it's a feminist remake of Shadow Howl, but without the constant stream of memorable gags that makes that film a masterpiece. Don't at me. Hard to negotiate where the irony is <laughs> lying in that one. Then I will review Jean Femme, the acclaimed debut by Lenore Sarai, all about a woman learning to look after herself at the hideously old age of 31. In many ways, it's a feminist remake of Shadow Howl, but instead of Jason Alexander playing a guy with a vestigial tail, it has a cat in it. So, <laughs> similar, similar, both, both of tails. Yeah. Uh, plus, we discuss some news. I won't tell you what the news is, you have to just keep on listening. And hopefully, that will give me enough time tell you about my reaction to Lars von Trier's controversial new film, The House That Jack Built. I was at the Quest set, I watched it, 20 seconds in, disgusted, stormed out, stormed out. It's the most despicable film I've ever seen. Paced around the lobby for like a minute, went back in, 20 seconds later I was crying, whooping, hollering. I loved it so much, it was a fucking masterpiece. Five seconds after that I realised it's irredeemable trash. <laughs> Toxic masculinity to the nth degree, I hated it. I started heckling in bad French, I was like, Simmerd, Simmerd! The ushers dragged me out. Managed to sneak back in. Never been happier in my life. What I saw transformed my life. I saw every color <laughs> that's ever been. It was transcendent. Two seconds after that, <laughs> disgusting. Hated it. Found this filth. Last one, is a sadist. Should be clapped in irons. Drive through the street and publicly flogged. Five seconds later, he's a genius. I love him. <laughs> he's God incarnate on earth. Give this man every award going. Uh, praise him like a god. He should lead the universe. Except and uh, then what happened? <laughs> this is, and then uh, you have to keep listening to find out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> films that premiered at Cannes last week was Solo, A Star Wars Story, and the reviews are that it's okay, pretty good, not terrible, better than expected, it'll do. Seems to be a win for Disney, given that going in everyone thought it'd be a disaster, given all the reshoots and the directors being fired and stuff being rewritten, and apparently Ron Howard uh, shot 70% of the movie and reshot a bunch of stuff. Anyway, the Disney corporate machine continues to succeed-ish. Good for them. Good for them. And uh, apparently one of the highlights of the movie is Donald Glover's performance as a young Lando Carizian. And one of the interesting news stories that have come out uh, in relation to the movie is about Lando Carizian's sexuality. Uh, and Jonathan Kazdan, who co-wrote the movie with uh, Larry Kazdan, his father, was asked by Huffington Post if Lando has a more fluid sexuality and is pansexual. And Jonathan Kazdan said, I would say yes. Is he, he pansexual? Say, yes, I'd say so. <laughs> There's a fluidity to Donald and Billy Dee's portrayal of Lando's sexuality. 
I mean, I would have loved to have gotten a, a bit more explicitly LGBT character into this movie. I think it's time, certainly for that. I love the fluidity, sort of a spectrum of sexuality that Donald appeals to. Hmm. And uh, apparently this the reason they ask this question is that in the movie, there's a robot character, mocap by Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag fame, who's sort of works with Lando's character. And there's some sort of like frisson some sort of like their ex-lovers or something do they sort of like brush fingertips together occasionally or like yeah, finish like, each other's sentences there's a bit or... where my hand walks in and he's like just banging his robot like, it's just like <laughs> it's a real frisson <laughs> what's going on yeah um but this story is sort of feels like quite a common thing of like lgbtness sort of retconned onto movies like last year the character of valkyrie played by tessa thompson in the thor movie was described as like bisexual, even though that's not at all in the movie. She seems to be sort of be crushing on four in it. Yeah, yeah. And also, there's like the whole constant J.K. Rowling thing of constantly changing uh, the sexuality and uh, general uh, progressiveness. Gen- and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dumbledore is Wakandan. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like an interesting thing of uh, I don't know. I feel like Disney are trying to be better at this sort of thing like they like we just did diversity okay we can't do it for sexuality as well come on give us give, give us, us a break we're doing our best it's 2018 we've got a black character come on yeah um the yeah. black character from the same the movie the, from 40 years ago yeah we keep on hiring sort of posh toothy brits to be in our films <laughs> come on um also is it really like pansexuality in a sort of fantasy context if you have a sexual frisson with a, a female seeming robot yeah it's just got a woman's voice <laughs> and it's a fantasy universe isn't it like isn't it just like you know yeah he's well, why what's but... just heterosexual but he's willing to have se- have a sex with a robot yeah you a know? robot with full consciousness so that's just a person yeah so is fucking harrison ford in blade runner yeah yeah it's true was he pansexual just because uh, <laughs> that woman's a replicant? He's an LGBT icon. Deco. You see him in every Pride march. A big picture of him. The blasting Rachel, out Vangelis's, you yeah. know, score. <laughs> Gay anthem. Gay anthem. Boom, boom, boom. It's a big Yeah, I don't know. It's just a bit of a stretch, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Looking through the rushes. Uh, yeah, he's gay. <laughs> Hearing some criticisms, the movie's not progressive enough. It's just like uh, scanning the poster, pointing around at me. He's gay. This guy's pansexual. Cares a day is long. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you just like cut away from some of the reaction shots, so he looked like he could potentially be vaguely horny and just cut to like, <laughs> I don't know, a fucking radiator or something. Like, Listen, all the stormtroopers were gay, right? They've always been gay. Yeah. And that's it. All... There's like gay porn on the inside <laughs> of their helmets, but you can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> being piped into their suits and stuff at all times <laughs> 24 7 24 7 it's just not unfortunately we had to cut I mean, I was, there was a reference to that Peter Cushing made an explicit <laughs> reference to that uh, in uh, Empire Strikes Back but they just had to cut it it's real, it was a real shame he died in a new hope that's not that Whatever. <laughs> but yeah just have a gay character in Star Wars why not I mean it, it's it's funny because um, like portrayals of uh, homosexuality are obviously very common in pop culture at the moment, but it still feels like this vague yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, barrier that you just, you know, be like, oh, it'd be so shocking. Imagine if Orlando snogged a dude or something like that. I mean, it's a bit like what a, one of the things that was cool about Love, Simon uh, is that it takes place in this completely liberal world where nobody is consciously um, 
uh, like prejudiced against gay people or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it still feels like there's some vague sense of stigma or that it's at least different. Yeah. In, in a way that, you know, creates discomfort and is, a, and is a barrier to be overcome. And I think there's the same kind of thing in you know, this like liberal Hollywood, which is, you know, obviously very um, pro uh, LGBT and everything in a kind of in the way that they would talk about it. But they still can't just casually put it in their movies. Yeah, yeah. Because, it, you know, people would be like, oh, my goodness, did you see the snog? Everyone would talk about, like, Lando oh snogging God. some dude. Um, but, yeah, one hopes that the fact that after every movie comes out, the creators of the film turn around and be like, yeah, half the characters are gay, <laughs> but we just didn't, we forgot to put it in. Uh, that's, like, a precursor to it actually being in the film, but we will see. Well, apparently Donald Glover is, like, the sort of the MVP of the movie, and there are already rumors, of like, are we going to get, like, a Lando spin-off movie? I'll be like, I feel like Disney, like, wait a second, how much money did Black Panther make? Yes, uh, Lando spin-off movie. Oh, yeah. But that, you know, why not? Why not? Spin-off from your spin-off. Yeah. In the in their hunt for more original content, you just need to do, like, spin-off from the spin-off from the spin-off, and then we're basically in a new world, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. It's like you've pretty much got, like, new new characters. It's, it's just that yeah, it's like the that. spin-off from the most popular character from the Lando spin-off is going to be essentially a new story. <laughs> it just takes a while to get there. Yeah, it's like that philosophical, uh, philosophical, that's a word. Philosophical. Philosophical quandary, right? Where, like, you got a broom and you replace the handle and you replace the broom. Is it the same broom? Is it the same broom? Or is it the different broom? Yeah, exactly. It's very much like that. Yeah. Uh, How much are you (laughs) excited for Solo, a Star Wars story? Uh, Not at all, to be honest with you. No, me neither. Don't really care. I don't really care about it either. I wish they'd just done a Lando prequel to begin with. That would have been something genuinely different. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't really know anything about that character. And when he turns up and Empire Strikes Back, it's like, who is this guy? He's a really cool guy. And then he instantly betrays him and then... Betrays his war again? Yeah. <laughs> there was another story this week about a ridiculous, uh, or at least potentially like sort of silly spin-off of a spin-off type thing. Um, after the success of the Gotham TV show, which is like Batman without Batman but and on TV, um, everyone's sort of younger and it's about like... I don't know, the penguin's in it, isn't he? But he's like young or something. And the yeah. Joker's in it, but he's young. And yeah, Batman's yeah. not in it. Oh, no, Batman's in it, but he's like a little baby. He's a little boy. Well, I think he's it's literally post the parents' death. The right? parents' death, yeah. So, and then it's and like he's just a little tyke. Growing up uh, under Alfred's tutelage, right? Exactly, yeah. And uh, that show's been going for four years or something like that. So it's had a hefty, hefty run. Um, and so they're going to do a spin off from that, and it's going to be called. Pennyworth. It's going to be about Alfred. Apparently, this will take place in a different universe to Gotham. They've created a brand new universe just for Alfred. <laughs> it's going to be all different, and it's going to be about him being in the army in the 60s or something like that. <laughs> this is exactly what you're saying, right? The spinner from a spinoff is a completely different show. <laughs> it's just about there you go. It's just about a guy, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's about a guy in the army in the 60s. Yeah, but, he's, but that's Alfred. But he's, you know, later, he's going to be Batman's butler. <laughs> so. I mean, maybe they've already done some comics about Alfred. Um, Because, you know, once Disney uh, bought Star Wars, they started producing, because they own Marvel as well, and they started producing all these Star Wars comics. Yeah. And there's like a Darth Vader story, and there's like various other spin-off things. And it's a bit like that, you know? It's just like, pick some random character and give them their own shit to do. And presumably some tiny proportion, like the audience for whom Alfred is their favorite character, you know, they'll turn up for it. Yeah. But But like... But did he ever have more than one dimension that character, or like? <laughs> yeah, but like, whenever it's like young Batman, you can like, you can like foreshadow things, right? Of like, yeah. oh, the, the man he will become. But like with Alfred, like. Yeah, no, he's a soldier, be... but but sometimes he's just like brings someone a folded towel or like makes <laughs> a breakfast or something. 
Yeah, ridiculous. It like everyone, like, everyone wakes up in the morning. There's like a poached egg by them, and it's like, oh my god, this is awesome. What do you? It's like, yeah, you're welcome. Maybe this is just the only way you can get a show made, is if it's got some tangential link to another big franchise property. Maybe someone sent them in like a pilot for a show about like our soldiers in the sixties, and they were like, um, don't know, don't like. I love it. I love your work, but I'm not sure how we can pitch in. It's like, um, that guy's Alfred. He's gonna be Bat- Batman's butler. It's like, yes, greenlit. Danny, if you could commission a television show or a film about an incredibly minor character that no one fucking cares about um yeah. from an existing property what would you pick um the cat dennings character from the thor movies oh the yeah thor movies it's just her like living it'd just be like girls effectively but every <laughs> once in a while she refers is this like set maybe later it's like in the future or something? no it's a prequel it's a prequel. <laughs> it's a prequel. Okay. It's a prequel. Yeah. And it's so all she's about... just, you know, occasionally says like, "Oh, I really like Norse mythology" or something. Yeah, exactly. And it builds up to her working at the lab or whatever. And she there's a scene when she gets her first iPod, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah, stuff some like foreshadowing that. of one of the jokes in the Thor film. Exactly. Um, I would love to see that, and I'd also love to see the uh, backstory for Parkent. Kent. What was his life like before Superman turned up? Oh, I see. Sorry, the dad. I was like, who the fuck is Pa Kent? Pa Kent. That you mean Pa Kent. Pa Kent. Pa Kent. <laughs> yeah, Pa Kent. Yeah, it's like an ant, but he lives in the park. <laughs> yeah, Pa Kent. <laughs> it's like most of them live in the woods, but he lives in I the park. I just want to see a, a gentle, like, sort of Anne of Green Gables-like story where it's just him toiling the land in Kansas. Hmm. Meeting his wife, uh, Marquette. finding Marquette, yes. <laughs> you know, they try and have kids. It doesn't work. It's all about, you know. Martha! Yeah. Martha. I believe her name was Martha, yes. I think so, yeah. I think she's called what do you Martha. want to see? What minor character do you want to see? How about an Agent Maria Hill film? You know, the uh Kobe Smolders. Kobe Smolders character from The Avengers. Yes. How'd she become in the Shield organization? How'd she get there? What what would she get up to in her career prior to that? I reckon she was in the army, then she was recruited. Maybe, maybe, uh, she's went- an <laughs> She woke up one night and Samuel Jackson was sitting there and he's like, I'm putting together a team. It's just the, you know, I'm just, rec- I'm just hiring actually. Just you think he says that to everybody <laughs> and it makes him feel really special. It turns out he's just talking about a department. Yeah. Like. He's just, he's just hiring. There's someone's quit. Yeah. I'm putting together a team because one person, my existing team is retired. Yeah. I need someone to get my predomanges and you're the woman for the job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, one more, one more news story. Uh, we could do... do you want to talk about old man? Gary Oldman? Enough of these stories of young men. Let's hear about an old man. Specifically, Gary Oldman, who recently won an Oscar for his incredible portrayal as the up-the-bum man. Yeah. Uh, l- uh, Winston. England, Church- England's greatest leader, up-your-bum. Yeah. Mr. Up-your-bum. Exactly. There's a word that fills me with pride more than uh, none other. Up-the-bum. <laughs> That's the quote. Um... Gary Oldman uh, is a director. He's only directed one film, Nil by Mouth, which is an excellent, made in 1997, so it's been 20-odd years, And but it was universally acclaimed, and uh, Kathy Bates won a bunch of awards for it and you know, announced him as a proper director guy. You're like, when are we going to see another movie from Gary? And it failed to materialize. too busy making the Robocop remake or whatever. But <laughs> perhaps uh, with his new cachet as an Oscar-winning actor, he's able to get a new film off the ground, and he's doing just that. He's going to star direct and has written a new film called flying horse this is not about pegasus or an actual flying horse somewhat disappointingly but it's about the photographer edward moybridge who is famous for working out that when a horse gallops all four hooves 
fall off the ground. You've probably seen the photos. He set up a series of cameras and then had threads attached to them. And as the horse broke all the threads, the, ca the cameras went off and he proved this. But this is not the most interesting thing about Moybridge's life because uh, after that success, he discovered his wife, Bloor, was having an affair with a dapper critic called Major Harry Larkins. That is the name of someone cheating with your wife. Yeah. Harry Larkins. Hello, I'm Harry Larkins. It's a blackadder name. Exactly. And do you did he did he did he catch her because like he put a thread attached to a camera in the bedroom or something? And, like... <laughs> yeah, and as he's frosting, he yeah, went off. yeah, exactly. I got you in the act, and um, he killed Harry Larkins and then was later acquitted on the grounds that it was justifiable homicide. So if you're worried it's going to be some dry film about someone just taking photos of horses, there's murder, revenge, and a miscarriage of justice, and. Or justice being done, Danny. Justice being done. She, he, he had it coming. He had it. Ha Mr. Harry Larkins <laughs> had it coming, my friend. Don't cut my bridge. It's <laughs> <laughs> not, just not a done thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I don't advocate murder in any situation. Yeah. But if your man's cheating on your wife, you just got to cut his head off. <laughs> just got to cut his head and fuck the stars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just got to do it. It's just a done thing. Well, it's just, you know, that's just natural, that's natural justice. Isn't I do it? like the idea that he kills him in the same method that he just does the same thing, just like sets up a series of cameras. That's the one thing he does. He garrots him with the thread he used to photograph the horse. Exactly. Or he hangs him with it or something like that. I guess he could, you know, I'm poison gonna, him or something. I'm going to push you into a thread and <laughs> your, your dead body will be photographed. I'm going to fly a horse right into you. <laughs> Checking his, it's got he's got some like uh, Wars and Gromit style series of contraptions around his house, but it's all based on like <laughs> breaking threads and shit happening. Yeah, it's just his whole deal. He loves it. He loves it. Yeah, when he breaks the thread near the toaster, like the toast pops out and just goes straight onto his plate and stuff like that. Or he walks past his wardrobe and like snaps a thread and there's like a suit springs onto his body. I don't know how that would work, but Perfect. yeah, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> just as saying, this is would be my approach to the movie. Having heard those bare facts about his <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, but I hope it's good. I mean, No By Mouth was really... You can sort of imagine a quite, uh, you know, British period drama version of this story, but, like, No By Mouth does not pull its punches. Right. So I hope it's as emotionally raw and, you know, has a bit of oomph to it. Unless Gary's mellowed in his old age. I mean, he did play Churchill, so... I don't know. I what does that? What does that indicate that he's just, that he's a conformist now? He's not as like yeah. He's he's played the man, you know. I feel like the young Gary Oldman was did all these kind of crazy out there performances, and like his Churchill performance is a bit of like the whole movie is a bit of a sort of dick sucking caricature of Britain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Bring back the old crazy Gary Oldman. That's what I say. I want. I hope there's a bit where, like, uh, you know, he's playing Moybridge, and he's like, "I want all the horses, you know, photographs, every single one." And like, every single one is like, "Everyone!" <laughs> Just does that Leon thing. Well, maybe this movie will be in two halves, and the first half will be like boring old late career Gary Oldman as he sort of shuffles about his studio, sort of shouting about horse photography, <laughs> and then, uh, and then in the second half of the film, it really goes off the rails into some kind of horrific crime drama as he, you know, finds his wife cheating on him and turns to a murderer. Yeah. Why not? And he'll just turn to the camera and be like, You thought I was boring? Well, I'm back. <laughs> Old Gary's back. Old Gary's back. <laughs> the firm Gary. Old Gary's back, man. <laughs> Leon Gary is back. <laughs> <laughs> 
be, I really would be impressed if, <laughs> if he finds a way to, without breaking the fiction of the story, forever boy braces <laughs> to say, Leon Gary's back <laughs> at some point in a, in a way that doesn't destroy the universe he's constructed. I'm sure, I'm sure he can do it. Yeah. And his lawyer explaining at court why he's like, you know, gives him some kind of uh, mental illness defense. And he declared nonsensically that Leon Gary was back before he murdered this man. <laughs> <laughs> he was not in a good state of mind. That sounds that sounds like a thing that could happen. That sounds like a thing that, that might happen. And having uh, projected the events of the film, let's move on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. Okay, start reviewing now. Earlier I saw I Feel Pretty, Amy Schumann's new comedy. This is uh, written and directed by Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein, who are better known as a uh, pair of writers who have worked on a variety of romantic comedies in the past, including Never Been Kissed. And he's just not that into you. And he's just not that into he's you. He's just not that into you. And how to be single. How? How to be single? How to be single. Um, so a somewhat mixed uh, resume for them. Um, I quite like Never Been Kissed. I remember sort of enjoying that when I saw that ages ago. But the other two are absolute shit, in my humble opinion. <laughs> but I did not I did not know that they were responsible for this movie before going... Uh, to see it so i sort of saw it without the you know baggage that would that would have entailed film stars amy schumer as a woman called renee she's an ordinary lady who's struggling with uh body image and she's very unhappy at her own appearance uh, she works for a makeup company called um something leclerc i don't remember what it's called it's not important it's like not something important. leclerc a snooty high brand a snooty high brand company it's gotcha. called lily leclerc gotcha and uh but she doesn't work in their main office because she's like not you know hot enough to to be in there with all the sort of like model-esque uh women who work there and she works in a kind of like uh basement um area and uh earlier in the film she is going to soul cycle there are many references to soul cycle in this film one of the like moments of slightly heavy product placement in it um, and she falls off her soul cycle and hits her head and she wakes up believing herself to have been transformed into someone who's much more physically attractive, although she has not actually changed. She uh, has enormous newfound confidence and uh, becomes very swaggering, um, uh, gets a date with her uh, new confidence and also gets a job interview at Lily Claire working as a receptionist, which is a sort of dream job for her. She can be around all the sort of glamour and you know be one of the attractive ladies in there. Here is a clip of her in her interview with um, one of the bosses of the company, Avery Leclerc, played by Michelle Williams. Renee currently works in the online division. Oh, wow, super. Yeah, but I, I figure I can be real with you guys, like Gail King real and say that it would be a shame to waste all this in a tiny Chinatown office. 
I think we've got more of a front of house situation on our hands. Am I right or wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Renee, we appreciate you taking the initiative, but you're not exactly the obvious choice for this job. Karen? No, I, I totally get it. Because I already work for the company, and this job would actually be a pay cut to my current salary. It doesn't make much sense why I'm here. So what are your goals exactly? <sighs> to work here as a receptionist. Wow. Okay, because most girls, they view this as a stepping stone to modeling or to opening their own e-commerce boutique. I hear you. And yes, modeling is an option for me. You are taking a risk. Is this girl going to walk out of this office and right onto the runway and never look back? Is that realistic for me? 1000%. But it's not who I am. Hello friends, Sam here from the future. I'm wearing my jetpack. I have my uh, cyber vape uh, that I'm smoking. Um, and I'm just sort of dropping in here. I'm editing the episode this week and I really was not satisfied with my review of I Feel Pretty. It was a total model. I was doing it only about an hour after I'd seen the film and I hadn't quite sorted out what I was saying yet and it was just like even more ums and ahs and long pauses and awkward coughs uh, than usual and I wasn't really making much sense. It was totally incoherent and I really wanted to have another crack at it because the film does address a few interesting issues even though you wouldn't think you would need a kind of PhD to talk about a uh, mainstream American comedy but I did want to sort of do it justice and not model my way through and sound like a total moron so I have redone it I have my notes in front of me now and this is all going to sound as smooth as hell and I'm sorry that Danny is not around to like banter with me uh, but I won't take up too you know much time with this and we'll get back to the past that features Danny very shortly. So one thing that Danny mentioned in the now Lost to Time review of I Feel Pretty is that it's kind of an interesting premise because it's a body swap comedy in which there is no body swap. So uh, they directly reference Big, the Tom Hanks film in this, and there's also certain similarity uh, with Shallow Hal, the uh, Jack Black movie. Um, but uh, in this case, she doesn't actually change at all. And it means that there's no visual shorthand that uh, informs you how you're supposed to be judging her physically all the time. And instead, you have to interrogate your own reactions. It's just a film that's purely about people's subjective perceptions of each other. Um, and in this way, it's clearly superior to something like Shallow Howl, which by having this like visual connection between unattractive and fat, um, and skinny and, and attractive is just reinforcing the harmful standards that it is superficially telling you that it is trying to criticize. Um, one of the things that people seem to take issue with this film and a lot of the negative reactions to it, especially when the trailer came out, uh, but also the film itself, is that um, Amy Schumer is basically too pretty for the role. Like, uh, it's called I Feel Pretty, but, you know, Amy Schumer is very beautiful. And I mean, in most ways, she is conventionally attractive. And they therefore thought that the film was actually just uh, reinforcing the problems. Like Hollywood produces this movie starring a beautiful woman and about how she feels really ugly. And it's like, fuck you, you don't actually look like me. You're a you know, millionaire and you're great, whatever. Uh, I can certainly understand that. Um, uh, basically, my feeling about it is that, I mean, she is clearly not the same body shape as... Uh, most romantic comedy leads. I mean, um, they are. There's very strict standards about how you have to look if you're going to star in an American comedy. Uh, if you just look at the previous movies made by these um, Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein, you know that they wrote like he's just not that into you, which has just got a parade of very traditionally beautiful slim ladies, uh, and also How to Be Single, which stars Dakota Johnson, who's very beautiful, and then her friend Rebel Wilson. 
um, who is a, a bigger person, but is can only ever be the kind of comic relief uh, just based on her shape. It's like there's this obvious hierarchy and the film is kind of uh, reinforcing it. And I think that I feel pretty does challenge that. I mean, only, you know, a little bit. It's not a sort of super radical film, but it does challenge it enough for it to be able to pursue its goal. Uh, one thing that I liked about the approach of the film is that it's clear that her body image issues are the result of social pressures and it's not just like an internal lack of confidence um, uh, or some kind of shortcoming that you can overcome purely via positive thinking or something like that. Um, and in the final speech of the film, uh, Renee, who's Amy Schumer's character, is talking about how when you're a child, you're confident and carefree and you just run about. And you don't give a shit when everybody thinks of you. And then as you get older, society imposes uh, this kind of judgmental uh, standards on you and you start to like, you know, feel bad about yourself. And I think that the what I liked about this is that it's the movie is kind of not that much about her personal journey. It's just about depicting this social phenomenon that affects everybody, albeit in, you know, different ways. The film is mostly concerned with scenes in which women's behavior is being policed and they are denied access to certain spaces based on their physical appearance. There's actually a, definitely a class component to this as well in the movie, although the film doesn't address it directly. Uh, it shows not only like how these standards are oppressive, but also how um, Amy Schumer in sort of internalizes them and reproduces them um, and how it's like it's the sort of social thing that happens on a daily basis in interactions. There was a scene that was criticized in a few reviews in which she enters a bikini contest while she's out on a date with this guy who looks exactly like a young Slavoj Žižek, which is a bit odd, played by the comedian Rory Scovel. And he's a very nice guy, but he gets incredibly nervous when she enters this bikini contest, believing herself to be like much sort of thinner um, and more beautiful than, you know, than she believed herself to be previously. And therefore, she doesn't have like the correct body shape to be in a bikini contest. Like all the women who are in it kind of look identical. And everyone is shocked when she goes up on stage to do this performance, but it's so sort of gutsy and hilarious, and it kind of turns into a stand-up routine a little bit, that everyone is gets won over, basically, and they are applauding by the end. Um, and the criticism of this is that it was encouraging us to laugh at a woman who is, you know, quite too fat to be on this particular stage. Uh, but I thought that it was just saying here is a barrier that exists in society and the fact that her date who's a very nice guy who's portrayed sympathetically throughout the film uh, is like oh don't do that like, you can't go there uh, is a it just shows you that this barrier exists and it is harmful and her direct head-on collision with it and eventually you know overcoming of it is something to be applauded and it's kind of heroic i mean the, this may be a reach but i thought this kind of pointing towards um how women deal with stand-up comedy which is historically a male-dominated space and it's this stage that you go on to and people will have certain judgments about you or like uh, preconceptions of you that uh, do not apply to men and then like female stand-ups have to kind of overcome them uh, through their performances by being kind of gutsy and hilarious which i yes yeah, obviously something that amy schumer has had to deal with uh, it is fair to say that the film is quite consumerist. It doesn't really in address like how these things are reproduced institutionally through things like the cosmetics industry, which is somewhat odd since she works at such a company. And so it's weird that the film doesn't like isn't more critical of it. Um, and although the final speech is good in many ways, it is a little bit undercut by the fact that she's trying to sell uh, beauty products for this like massive global company at the same time. So it's a bit like that is somewhat muddled, uh, probably could have done that a little bit better. The film is making a very broad point that does not encompass everyone's experiences, of course, and I understand that some people were resentful of the film because they felt like it was patronizingly telling them to identify with Amy Schumer when they may not identify with her at all. They may be like, well, you're, you know, an extremely beautiful woman in most ways, and I, like, don't sort of buy into this whole thing. But I thought that its general approach to uh, how it dealt with this material was a good one. 
And there's a worse version of this film in which it's about like uh, how, you know, the rest of society doesn't matter and you can just like improve yourself and get the correct mindset and then you can, you know, just uh, glow from within and everything will be fine. And instead it's like it just sort of presents all of these social issues and it says like society is doing this to, you know, uh, women and it's negative and uh, what you should be doing is just, you know, treating everyone with uh, kindness and try not to put them with bo- put them in boxes and treat everyone like a person. And I thought that was a generally kind of a positive message. Very quick, broader comments. It's kind of shonkily put together, this film. I think like in most other respects, it's relatively average. It's very flatly directed. Um, there are some very funny lines, but they are the ones that kind of sound like ad libs, the result of the Apatow process of throwing everything at the wall and then seeing what sticks in the edit room. Um, there's not really enough laughs overall, to be honest, in the movie. And there's too much product placement. Like, about half the film seems to take place within this one soul cycle. And I'm not, sorry, I'm just not going to soul cycle. You can't make me. I don't care how many scenes in this film take place in there. Um, the supporting cast doesn't get a lot to do. They're generally quite strong. There's a number of familiar faces in it. Michelle Williams is particularly good. She doesn't normally play straight comic roles, but she does in this and she's quite funny. Uh, the absolute highlights, in my view, is her co-worker Mason, who's played by this comedian called Adrian Martinez, and he delivers this like extremely deadpan performance of almost Shakespearean intensity, and I laughed a lot every time he came on screen. Thought he was a real highlight of the film. Okay, that's the conclusion of my views. If you saw the film, please do uh, let me know what you thought of it. I have struggled a lot to review it, um, so I uh, would really appreciate any other thoughts and feedback that you may have, and you know how to get in touch with uh, me or the podcast. And now we will return to the past. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ask-punchingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. I also saw a female-centric film, one which was easy to unpick. It's just good. Uh, <laughs> this is Jean Femme. It is the debut film of director and writer Lenore Sarre. I might be mangling a lot of French pronunciations here. I don't. Whatever. You know. Google this later and tell me how to pronounce it. I got. I got a big interest in French. What do you want from me? You know. When I. I really. That's only because of the writing. The oral was like. <laughs> it was like a D. Don't sweat it. So uh, in it. Uh, Snatcher's called uh, Letitia Dosh, plays Paula. She's a 31-year-old woman, and at the beginning of the movie, she's just been dumped by her older photographer boyfriend, and it becomes apparent that she's been in this relationship since her late teens and has effectively spent uh, a decade-plus years living this bohemian lifestyle, effectively as her kind of live-in muse. And now she finds herself homeless and friendless and having to make her way in the world with only her boyfriend's cat for a company which she has stolen uh, and refuses to give back so I enjoy this movie very much I think the thing I like about it the most is the premise in that it's a coming of age story about somebody in their 30s and I am sick to the back teeth with all these coming of age stories where people come of age they're already of age they're already too young and like by the end of the movie they've got a handle on what life is and they're 16 I'm like nah I can't I cannot relate to that I'm 28 now mentally and emotionally on a good day maybe 14 that's that's where i top out yeah and so uh (laughs) the idea of uh just the idea that you know there isn't a set point where like you are now an adult or you've now figured it out and that is a constant evolving thing throughout your life is a refreshing one i feel that's not often portrayed in movies and a coming of age movie someone in their 30s i'm all for it that gives me another three years to get my shit together yeah 
if I if I watch this movie in a decade, I'm equally confused. I'd be like, oh fuck this film, make another film about a guy <laughs> in his forties. Then I could really relate to it. And uh, it's only ninety minutes long, which I, I think is always a good thing about a movie. The shorter the better, and it has this relentless energy to it. And they did shoot uh, on location in Paris, and you do get the sense of a bustling city where there's not quite enough space for all the people. And she's constantly uh, in subways, like rammed, packed, and like the stairways are small. And you get the sense of one woman battling her environment. You yeah, know, yeah. It's not going to be easy for her. And key to the energy is this brilliant, totally full-on performance by uh, Letitia Doche. It's uh, and. There is something kind of pleasing about how obnoxious it is in the first half of the movie. And it's not afraid, the movie's not afraid to have the audience dislike her. But there's a certain thrill from how obnoxious she is at the beginning. Like the opening scene is her repeatedly smashing her head against her boyfriend's door and like getting in, trying, um, trying to persuade him to open it until she just like knocks herself out. And there's something, you know, in the opening stretch, you're like, how is she going to react to stuff? Is she just because she's such a brat? But you do warm to her throughout the movie. And she does reveal like her likable qualities in that she is quite uh, a generous spirit. And she's like a bit entitled, but doesn't really judge anybody. Yeah. Which is a, a good mix. And the plot moves very, very quickly. It packs a lot in. It's a relatively slim running time. Um, and it has, it reminded me a bit of uh, Lady Bird to a sex extent, and also Frances Ha, in that they both have this sort of like relentlessly barreling forward momentum where it's not like the movie's ever peaking at any one point or building up to a thing. It's just like life is constantly happening yeah. and every scene is given is is as impactful as the previous one. So like her looking for a job and her having a massive argument with her uh, ex-boyfriend or whatever seem to be equally uh, valid in the eyes of the filmmaker. And it's almost a bit like a road movie, but instead of place to place, it's relationship to relationship. And it does a good job of like varying up the kind of people she encounters. For example, she becomes an au pair for a stretch in the movie to a young single mum and her kid. And her mum, the mum character is almost like, uh, what if I had just gone to school and continued a normal career? And it kind of throws her life into a sort of relief, but doesn't place any judgment. It's not like this is what an adult does. And this is what another person does. Mm. And I don't know if the movie's, making a very strong point about anything in particular but it feels like it is and that's so stupid like it feels so uh, realistic and i think it was based on the director's own experiences of being a sort of late 20s person just trying to survive in the city that it just feels very true to life and uh it's very winningly played it's like it's similar to Francis Ha in some respects but it's less arch yeah it feels yeah. like there's less a sort of it's not a comic writer making it it's like a bit more true to life and it isn't groundbreaking, and it will remind you a bit of Frances Hart, and it will remind you a bit of Inside Lewin Davis, because she's got Cause a cat. Because she's got a cat. She's got a cat. But that's also a movie about it's just tough living in a city. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just very good at what it does, and it's worth it just for the main actress's performance. Cool. So I would recommend it. I watched it after 120 BPM, and I was like, no one's dying in this movie. This is good. That's nice. That's, this is nice. A nice relief. My favourite film stars Bridget Bardo She's the queen and she wants to be in radio So she starts a podcast with her friends And the terrorists try to stop her but she beats them in the end Sam, at the time of recording we are hours away Less than a day away from the Royal Wedding And I am 
chomping at the bit. I bloody love royal weddings. Me I, too. I love the royalty. I love watching them in their hats and their gowns. I'm so fucking excited, man. I've already bought my crown and my ermine um, robe and my uh, yeah. silk slippers. I don't I, know how royal people dress. I love it. I love it. I love the way they've got rid of all the bloody homeless people out of Windsor, cleaned them off the fucking streets. Yeah. Good riddance. Yeah, <laughs> turn getting, them all into getting, post boxes. Getting in the way of uh, Megan's day. Yeah, yeah. Shame on you. So I have prepared a little film-centric royal wedding quiz. Yay! It only consists of four multiple-choice questions. Okay. Uh, it was I was going to do more, but there's just not that information. I went down a real rabbit hole of reading articles about the wedding and stuff, and I was like, who the fuck writes this stuff? Who are these people? It's like... The dad's not going, right? The dad, he's unfortunately recovering from a heart surgery. About. Oh, I thought he was, you know, he was pissed off about something. No, no, he had a he had like a heart attack or something. Oh, okay. I thought he was angry. Maybe not a heart attack, but some sort of serious. Did, was it caused by by him getting angry about the, <laughs> something about the wedding? Yeah, he saw the bill and he's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> they um, made him favorite. They made him favorite. You ready for this quiz? You bet I am. Um, and some of my answers might be muffled because I'll be eating, I'll be talking through a mouthful of scone or something. Ro- I don't know. Something royal. Swan. I'll be. I'm, I'm eating <laughs> swan. So. <laughs> Some answers might be a bit indistinct. Okay, question one. Which one of these is one of Prince Harry's favourite films? Mm-hmm. Is it A, Legends of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul? <laughs> B, Mary Poppins? C, Deadpool? Or D, Zulu? Um, surprised that it's not a Nazi film. Because oh, yeah. I love Nazis. Oh shit, I should put a Nazi one in there as a red herring. <laughs> or is it E, the triumph of will? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to guess uh, Zulu. Correct. Yay. That's quite a sort of, I don't That's know, what the rules would like, isn't it? Yeah. Sort it of colonialist film. Exactly. Okay. Well, we all know Meghan Markle uh, was an actress and model. I guess she still is, but she won't be allowed to do any of that after she's married. No, she's no, certainly no, might. No, 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 you can't no, do that, Meghan. No, no. Don't do that, Meghan. You're stuck here now. <laughs> Spielberg's on the phone. He wants you to play. No, Megan. No, no, Megan. no, no. You've no. made your choice, Megan. You've made your royal bed. Now sleep in it and no, juice babies in nine it. children. Um, I'm going to name four films. Three of them are actual films that Megan Markle starred in. One of them is also an actual film, but Megan Markle is in it. Okay. <laughs> Identify the film not starring Megan Markle. Got she? Will do. A. Remember me. B. Horrible bosses. C. Dysfunctional friends. <laughs> D, Alpha Dog. <laughs> um, I have not seen any of these films, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm going to guess that she is not in Horrible Bosses. No, she is in that one. Fuck. Motherfucker. Yeah. What so, was it, Danny? It was Alpha Dog. She's not an Alpha Dog. Not an Alpha Dog? No. but I, I just, thought that was a Markle. That was just a sad Markle run all over it. But yeah. that's a Markle project. Nah. Nah. Couldn't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, question three. The recently released TV film, Harry and Meghan, A Raw Romance, was directed by Menhaj Huda. But can you name the British film which made Menhaj's name? Mm-hmm. Is it A, Kidlehood, B, Fat Slags, C, Sex Lives of the Potato Men, or D, Spooks, The Greater Good? <laughs> Is it Kidlehood? Yes. Yeah, I think I vaguely remember seeing, hearing about that. Great other choices, though. <laughs> And finally, the cost of the royal wedding is equal to the budget of which of these films? <laughs> A. Tron Legacy. <laughs> B. The Heat. C. Magic Mike XXL. 
or D, the bone collector? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the heat? Of the uh, Melissa McCarthy. Oh uh, yeah, Sandra shit. Bullock. Yeah. Um, all right, that's my guess. Correct. Yay! It's forty-three million dollars US. Thirty-two million. Pounds. Jesus, is that the fucking budget of the wedding? Yeah, and uh, we're paying for it, right? Oh, mate, mate. I'm going to have a fucking heart attack like Megan's dad. Yeah, Tron Legacy was 200 million. That would have been ridiculous. Yeah, 10 million was just spent uh, moving the homeless people without getting them, giving them anywhere to stay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all the best to the happy couple. Oh, that's so exciting. How many commemorative plates have you got? I've already smashed all of our normal <laughs> ones so that we have no choice but to use the commemorative ones that I bought every day. My mum's having a... Like a Party, party having some people around a soiree a soiree and her one of her close friends is coming to stay the night tonight and she's kicked me out of my own home bed and just like sorry my fr- you can stay here but you have to sleep on the couch yeah and then today- it's actually increasing the numbers of homeless people as well <laughs> exactly. as, as well as moving them and then she was like can you tidy your room and also can you like wash the dog like shower the dog so it doesn't smell and i'm like shower the dog clean your room they like, get fuck off and I'm like <laughs> What is this? What is this? She's going crazy, <laughs> royal crazy. The entire like, I wish I'd taken her photos. So Are the royals actually you. coming to your party as well? well as the be, they feel very at home because there's bunting everywhere already. Yeah, my mum's gone bunting crazy. Mm-hmm. Bunting crazy, crazy. royals <laughs> man. Have your friends rounded, kicked down out of Where bed. Where is dad? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, so I've I didn't have an opinion, but now I'm a bit miffed, you know. Because I've been put to work. I don't yeah, to now you're, now you're praying for a divorce. <laughs> I'm praying for a divorce. Mm. <laughs> don't work out my house back. Raw divorce. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Love love we, a raw divorce. No, do you the day off? It's the same, except all the bunting's upside down. What's the opposite of a wedding? It's a weird. Um, exciting. I can't uh, wait for it. I, I can't wait for it. It'll be over by the time you hear this, probably, unless I edit very promptly. <laughs> Um, so please do write into us give us your thoughts on the royal wedding how long would you like the marriage to last how many children should should they have what should their names be um, any other things you want to tell us about that let us know and until next time what are we going to be talking about I don't know what's out we can see Deadpool, Deadpool, Deadpool 2. 2 I don't particularly have any I'm interest. not that fussed about it either to be it's honest not, but... it's just I don't get it you know nah first it. one was alright yeah, but the one thing, the one Deadpool, the budget's too big now. Uh, marketing thing I did find funny was just uh, like Deadpool's parody of like Marvel talking about building their universe, but it's just him <laughs> talking about building his two film universe. But it's like with the same like epic music and stuff. It's like no one said we could do it. You know, we're just a small studio <laughs> starting out. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. Have you seen the one where he goes to visit David Beckham? That one's pretty funny. That one's pretty funny. Is he? Is it even a film, or is it just an excuse for Ryan Reynolds to disappear in a bunch of random shit? It seems like Ryan Reynolds is like very into it. Do you reckon he'll be there at the royal wedding? He's like, ha ha, jokes on you! I'm officiating the wedding. <laughs> Deadpool. Is he Deadpool too? I hope so. What's the point of making a reverent superhero movie? They're all irreverent, you know. It's not going to be funnier than Thor Ragnarok, is it? It's a good point. Anyway, hammer pulled you off. Hammer, oh my god, the hammer, oh my god the hammer pulled you off. Piss off, ghost. Anyway. Anyway, see you next week. Anyway. See you next week. <laughs> anyway, goodbye. Anyway, goodbye. See you later. Let's do it. And finally, it's time for another edition of Explaining Jokes to Idiots. The segment where we explain to idiots jokes they missed because they're idiots. 
And tonight I'd like to examine the reaction to Amy Schumer's new film, I Feel Pretty, which the professionally offended have decided that even though it's a movie by women filmmakers presenting a pro-woman message, it does it the wrong way. The Independent, reviewing the trailer, wrote that I Feel Pretty seems so offensive, it's frankly exhausting. Exhausted by a movie trailer. I think we've reached peak snowflake. The LA Times asked, wouldn't a bolder, more progressive version of the story have cast a woman of color? Oh, for Christ's sake, can it just be funny? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.